Welcome to the Darkness Dwells Podcast, episode 87. I'm Jason White. I'm Michael Schutz. And this week we are here to discuss, well, it's rather a sad topic, but in a sense it's also happy because we got to talk about this stuff. (laughs) And we're going to talk about George Romero. We're going to pay tribute to him because he passed away. Yes. And Yet another tribute episode. Yes. We're doing a lot of these. It's it, yeah, we got to stop. I mean, stop people, stop dying people. Man. Seriously, <laughs> you know, really terrible. We lost Wes Craven, and now we lost Romero. Yeah, and of course, your favorite actor, Bill Paxton. Yeah, uh, they're dropping like flies, man. And uh, you know, I. Uh, doing a, a George Romero tribute had to be done because we did a <laughs> we did one for Bill Paxton, and you know, in the scheme, grand scheme of things, George Romero is like I'm a much bigger fan of him of his work yeah. than I am of Bill Paxton. Like not, that's not to trash Bill Paxton. It's just uh, you know uh, he he starred in you know like some of my favorite movies and I love his acting, but. But George Romero, man, he made some fucking wicked-ass movies. <laughs> yes. He left a bigger horror footprint. Yes, for sure. Well, before we get into any of that, though, let me uh, tell everyone about our sponsors. Uh, we are proud to be sponsored by Crystal Lake Publishing. Now, they've been uh, publishing since 2012, and they've quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of mystery, mystery thriller, and suspense books with a dark fiction edge. So it's basically horror. They do a lot of, uh, uh, they really do a lot of anthologies and uh, and collections and novellas, but they're recently sort of breaching into the novel area. They've recently released a new anthology uh, called Behold! <laughs> uh, oddities, Curiosities, and Undefinable Wonders. Now, this is a really interesting anthology because, uh, well, you have to read it to really understand what I'm talking about, Uh, but it has a lot of really well-known authors. It has uh, Neil Gaiman, Clive Barker, uh, past guest Ramsey Campbell, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of authors in here. I can't remember them all. I, you know, I, I just got a copy, and I can't wait to read it because I haven't read it yet. But uh, definitely go check out this anthology. It'll be well worth your time and your money. Uh, I can't speak... And this is just a representation of what Crystal Lake Publishing is doing. They, uh, they, they do a lot for uh, the scene. They also have a mentorship program that I talked about the last couple episodes. I highly recommend that for uh, the writers out there and uh, definitely go to www.crystallakepub.com and you could probably lose yourself for a couple hours <laughs> they have a lot of stuff there. and what a way to lose yourself exactly it, you know just like going into a bookstore and just getting lost exactly yes all right we're also happy to be uh, sponsored by audible.com go to audible uh, slash darkness dwells and sign up for a free month-long trial membership. With that trial membership, you get a free audiobook. And, uh, you know, free audiobook. Awesome. If you're not already a member, I highly recommend that you join up. I've been a member off and on for God knows how long, like since 2007 or something like that. <laughs> so um, I'm going to make a recommendation, sort of going with the theme of the show. I, uh, I looked up John A. Russo, 
who wrote uh, Night of the Living Dead with uh, John Romero. Uh, sorry, George Romero. And uh, so they wrote that together. John A. Russo continued to write zombie fiction and horror, and he's, uh, he's a well-regarded author. And I couldn't find any of his horror, but he recently released, uh, it looks like a, a historical novel set maybe in World War II, I'm not sure. But it's called Dealey Plaza, and it's written by John Russo. It's 14 hours and 58 minutes, and it's unabridged. Check that out. Nice. All right, so... Um, before we get uh, started talking about George... Um, do you want to discuss any any horror findings? Yes. Oh boy, got some good stuff. Good First stuff, of all, huh? I'm not even going to bury the lead. Uh, Netflix came out with the Stranger Things two teaser trailer, no. which was already on my author Facebook page. It's somewhere, and I will certainly hook it up to the Darkness Wells page. Yeah, which please do. All of our fans will see before they hear about this. Uh, it's so much fun. Oh my. Oh god, I can't wait. You know, I haven't seen it yet. Does it look good? It looks fantastic. Excellent. It looks. It, it's. Uh, it, it has a little bit of, of Michael Jackson's thriller in it. No way. Uh, I mean, it, it, it once again pinpoints. Um, our childhood of the 80s and what was going on in the in an old arcade you know got some thriller going on um, looks like it's going to be a heck of a of a storyline um, yeah it's I have every faith that season two is going to be good you know sometimes sometimes I worry but I, I think it's gonna be great I can't wait for it honestly you know I thought I was kind of hoping, because uh, this time, last year, I, w I went on vacation, as I'm on vacation right now, because uh, the plant where I work, they uh, have a shutdown at this time of year. And uh, I remember very vividly... Well, uh, to pick the teeth of the mangler, right? Pick out all the, yeah, they all do. the victims yeah. from they got, the mangler. You know, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, fleshy strings in there, you know, from the victims. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got to get cleaned out, so yeah. Uh, but I remember uh, sitting down to watch Stranger Things last year, because that's when it was released, and being completely taken away. So I was hoping that they had released it this time, uh, at this time this year, but no, they're they're releasing it in October, aren't they? Yes, for Halloween. I heard it was going to be released on Halloween, but the latest says the twenty seventh of October, which gives you enough time to uh, to binge it before the big day. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you got to celebrate Halloween somehow. Yeah, you know, it's time to start thinking about that. What my horror movie lineup is going to be and it's almost time to buy all kinds of candy for the children that do not come to my door so I end up <laughs> eating it binging yourself? on that yeah. as well <laughs> and then you feel sorry for yourself afterwards excuse. you know it's like like a completely legitimate cover story to buy hordes of candy yeah <laughs> you know we do that here <laughs> oh it's Halloween yes that's not usually on my list <laughs> Um, I remember when I was a kid, the street that I live on used to be packed with kids, because uh, I was one of them, I remember, right? But uh, since then, they've built these uh, 
these like cul-de-sac neighborhoods around the area and uh and so the those houses are built a lot closer together so they're all concentrated so the kids all go there now and we don't get hardly anybody we get like maybe two or three kids and that is no exaggeration so we buy like a bunch of candy <laughs> and uh nobody comes and so it's left for us to eat and uh you know we don't mind yeah that's kind of good news bad news yeah what i can't figure out is that my apartment building has a swarm of children it's all kinds of kids so i don't know why they don't probably because everybody around here they're cheap <laughs> I don't think anybody has candy for them, but I do. Anybody listening <laughs> do you, to my show, if if the neighbor kids are listening to Darkness Spells, I'll have candy for you. Do you have like subdivision type uh, called sacks around where you live? No, no, mm-hmm. no. I have no idea then where they're. Maybe they just don't go out. I've heard that in some places in the states, kids don't really do that anymore. Really, yeah. I haven't heard that. Maybe that's true. No, this is. I live in a in in a part of the town that's you know. It's there's no big draws that I can see. You know, there isn't like a bunch of really nice homes where you can go get like the good candy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this should be this should be a legitimate stop. They should build houses just for Halloween, yeah. so it's kids have somewhere to go. The houses that October built. Yeah, screw the poor. They they can they can live in cardboard boxes. We'll we'll build houses just oh. for Halloween. <laughs> oh, I would hey I would I would live in one because they were they you'd have to have a caretaker there. Exactly, oh, I'd be the caretaker of the Halloween house. Oh, oh. that's what we could do. Hold with on, the homeless hold on people. a second. I have to write down the notes for this new short story I just thought of. <laughs> <laughs> the Halloween house, the professional Halloween house. Ah. That's 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 uh <laughs> that's funny. We're getting all excited about Halloween here. I know it's almost time. Yeah, we're like Chris, those really Christmas isn't. people, those people who get like excited yeah. about Christmas around September. <laughs> and, yeah, and we hate yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, and we get excited for Halloween in July. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I even I even started reading some Ray Bradbury. Oh yeah, and I didn't I didn't put that together, but yeah, I must be I must be ready for the fall. Which sucks around here. It's not like growing up in the Midwest, where, of course, Ray Bradbury is from. You know, he's from upper Illinois, and I'm from the middle of Wisconsin. So reading all of his October stuff, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Speaking of Audible that I mentioned earlier, uh, about a month ago, I I bought and I paid for it. I didn't use my credit. I paid for a a book by Ray Bradbury just to listen to at Halloween time. It's the Halloween tree. Yeah. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into it when, uh, you know, October rolls around. Yeah. It's really quick. It's a quick read. I'm sure it, it isn't very long to listen to. Yeah, let's see here. It's, uh, it's three hours and 11 minutes. Wow. I think it took less time for me to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, I know Boy, you had a... I've gotten us way off track. Should we continue with the news? Sure. Yeah, you had a couple more things. I... Yes. Um, Tales from the Crypt was going to come back on TNT. I don't know if, if you knew about this. I did. But now it's not going to be. No? No. There's a, uh, there's a problem with the right. And one of the... 
one of the guys in charge of it who wants to executive produce it, I think. Um, I can't find his name or anything. But but he said that, that Tales from the Crypt has the most complicated rights deal that he's ever seen in mm. his career. So as soon as they can figure out how to get the rights to to bring it back, they're going to do it. But that might not be for a long time. So You've ruined my day, Michael. Dashing hopes from coast to coast. <laughs> You've ruined my day. You know, I never liked Tales from the Crypt. No, what? Um, which, 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 you know, Tales from the Crypt fits in because because George Romero was executive producer of that. I think. Uh, no, he did but, Creep uh, Show. He might. I think he did do some work for Tales too. But uh, I know he did Creep Show, and he wrote and directed. Yeah, a bit and I think that yeah with Stephen and King. That was kind of the yeah, definitely. But I it, was I was more Tales from Tales from the Dark Side. Which was a lot that more serious. That was George Romero. Tales that, from the yeah. Crypt is kind of horror comedy. Yeah, it can be comedy, but that's what George Romero was involved in with uh, 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 Tales from the Dark Side. He was with Tales from the Dark Side. Yes. Oh, well, that's wonderful. See, I was worried <laughs> about that because because as soon as I saw the clip from Tales from the Crypt, I looked up Dark Side. So I'm glad you called me on that. I was worried that I got my tales. Uh, mixed up. Yeah, well, I, I saw that while uh, doing research for this episode, and when you mentioned Tales from the Crypt, I was like, oh yeah, I think it was that, until you mentioned Tales from the Dark Side, and that clicked. I was like, no, 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 it was definitely that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes me that makes me intensely happy, that because I was a Tales from the Dark Side kid. Um, I just never got into the Crypt Keeper. You know how I feel about horror comedy, uh, and everybody you know. talks about Crypt. I don't hear, I I don't hear many people at all talk about about the dark side. All right, Michael. And man, that was good. I, I'm sending I'm I'm sending over the goons. They're going to take your horror card away. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I have the I think I have the more legitimate track here. Um, <laughs> we'll have to look into the bylaws, like <laughs> but. But no, no, I'll send the goons to your house. You, you know what's you're, awesome? You're, you want to hear something <laughs> awesome? That you actually have goons? No, I wish I had goons, because they would be doing a lot of work for me. But uh, no, they wouldn't go to your place and, and take your card. They'd be doing other illegal stuff. I mean, perfectly legal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but you want to hear something awesome? As I found uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the uh, entire uh, show, on sale at Walmart for like 30 bucks, and of course I picked it up. This was like about a year ago. I still haven't watched it yet, but I want to, of course. But Oh, my. The entire series. Watch it. Because I, I'm looking for that right now. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's sitting gonna... on my shelf collecting dust, Michael. <laughs> oh. oh. I know, Dive bad. into that. I You will not be disappointed. No, I, I, mean, I that's watched it like... all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a fan you know. of that one, too. You know, I like Tales from the Crypt, too, but I see what you're talking about. It It, it is a bit tongue-in-cheek sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I, you had one more thing, I oh, think? I have one more. Um, uh, an interview on iHorror.com with Gary Doberman, who's screenwriting the new Annabelle Creation movie. Ah. He also wrote the new It and he's 
he's writing a lot of stuff, but, oh boy, so I'm reading about Annabelle creation, and, <laughs> and I'm not going to go see this, this is going to be a rental for me, yeah. because I don't... Set in 1957, Annabelle Creation explores the origin of the cursed Annabelle doll. The film tells the story of a doll maker and his wife who welcome a nun and her six orphans into their California farmhouse. Oh, God. The Zs are coming out of my, out of my mind. I don't want to go back to 1957. I don't want to see a doll maker carve out Annabelle and an evil spirit inhabits her just like Chucky and I don't I don't want to see that. Oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know I want to see I want to see a full movie of the Annabelle episode that was in The Conjuring when the roommates found her and picked her up. Modern day I think that's an awesome setup, you know, they tried to throw she kept she kept coming in that's what I want to see, yeah. because that's what, what sparked the whole Annabelle thing, was that little piece. Mm -hmm. And then they go off the track, and they, oh, come on. They did go off the track for the movie itself. But, you know, I think I'm in the minority, honestly, when I say I like that film. I, I didn't hate it. It wasn't bad. Summoning the goons. Where do you <laughs> live again? Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's for you to find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know what? I, I'm on board with uh, anyone who says that, it, you know, another Annabelle movie is unnecessary. I mean, it really isn't. You could choose any other number of topics that would be really interesting, but you go with something yeah. that I guess that's making money. <laughs> I don't know. That's the yeah. way studios um, think. Of course, that none that scared the bejesus out of me, and I think most everyone from The Conjuring 2, um, that's coming out. The none. Yes. They're going to do a spin-off of that. I hope that's good. I really hope that's good. It might that be. That was the scariest part of that movie, and that was a scary movie. Yeah, The Nun was scary, it, except for the fact that The Nun kind of reminded me a little bit of Marilyn Manson. And, <laughs> in fact, I kind of thought it was <laughs> Marilyn Manson at one point. I was like, is that Marilyn Manson? I had to look it up. But people are getting annoyed at me in the theater because I had my cell phone out. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about it at the time because I was, like, really immersed. But, boy, she really did look like Marilyn Manson. And I did think that it was a, it was a man dressed up as a nun. So I, so that I did think about at the time, that, that she was very mannish. So yeah. I don't know. Well, it was hard to tell with all that makeup. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing with Marilyn Manson. <laughs> he wears so much makeup. It's just, <laughs> you know, well, have you ever seen him without his makeup? Yes, I've seen him in Sons of Anarchy. He plays uh, a prison uh, sodomizer, and he <laughs> is in Salem. He's like the the coroner or or the morgue guy or the embalmer in in that show Salem, which I love. So yeah, yeah. he was also in Californication too, and uh, uh, he? yeah, he played himself actually. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Hank got, was into, uh, he got involved in, like, some movie guy, some yeah. music guy. And right? uh, I remember he was there yeah. with his daughter, and Marilyn Manson was hitting on his yeah. daughter. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. that's right. But you oh, know what's weird about yeah. Marilyn Manson is that he looks pretty creepy without the makeup, too. He looks, right? he's, he's got Doesn't this kind he? of serial killer look about him, you know? Like he's got bodies in his he does. basement. I he does. See it. He looks just as creepy without. 
That's just to get us way off track. Rob Zombie looks like somebody that I would be scared to meet. Yeah. Like, not even in a dark alley, but just, like, at a, at a farmer's market at noon, I'd be scared to run into him. He'd be like, oh, shit. Until you realize that he's only, like, five foot four and he's skinnier than a rail. And then you're like, oh, hi, hey, Rob Zombie. Is he Zombie. really short? I don't know if he's short, Is honestly. he short? I know he's skinnier oh. than a rail, but <laughs> he, he looks like a oh. junkie almost, but... But uh, or at least you know some sort of survivor of a terrible illness. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes our shot at getting him on the show. <laughs> he'd be, no, he'd want to go on the show just to tell me off. I'm uh, well, actually, he probably wouldn't waste his breath on me. But uh, yeah, there, there you go, Rob Zombie. I think well, come, come on, I'm. We love you. You know, if you ever listen to our show, Rob Zombie, we like worship at the altar of. Rob Zombie horror movies. If Rob Zombie is ever listening to the show, first of all, I apologize for whatever mistake uh, happened where you ended up listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, second of all, sure, why not? Come on the show. <laughs> you know, he was on Larry King after, I guess it would have been after Lords of Salem. And he was talking about his next movie, and he said he was taking a break from horror. And he was he was writing and going to direct a movie called Seventy Six, which was about the uh, nineteen seventy six Philadelphia Flyers. I guess mm-hmm. they had a really good hockey team that year. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was serious. And then after Thirty One came out, which is also a number, I I realized that that must have been like that that was him making just, a joke. Not only bullshitting, but but kind of doing it, you know, like kind of sarcastic too like i don't know but <laughs> i really believed him and and i did until like just really recently actually until i watched 31 again a couple weeks ago and i realized you know that wasn't even true he just said it with a straight face i'm sure that was just like he, he just said that on the show because rob zombie is not going to do a hockey movie called 76 it would be interesting if he did well, I thought so. I thought, oh, well, that might be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be violent <laughs> oh. and, and angry, because yes, because you know I think there's something very, very angry in Rob Zombie. <laughs> there is. I remember when House of a Thousand Corpses came out, and I read a review of it where the the guy wrote, "Whatever demons are are haunting Rob Zombie, I hope they've been exercised by by this film." <laughs> And, yeah. and then he follows up with Devil's Rejects, which was, <laughs> nope, he's not done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, he's continued to make pretty disturbing movies since, so. Although, you know, a lot of people are, are kind of hard on 31. I don't know why. I mean, it, it it wears what it is on its sleeve. It's nothing else, <laughs> you know? It's well, just a fun horror movie. It's It's violence and nastiness. Our colleagues and peers don't like Rob Zombie a lot. I mean, I people in the horror industry don't, you know, I hear people say they, they hate his movies all the time. I don't understand. I, I have no idea why somebody who's in the horror world doesn't like those. I can't, I can't see it. I can't see that. Yeah, I can't see it either. So, yeah, indeed, if you are listening, Rob Zombie, we here at Darkness Dwells are Rob Zombie friendly. Yes, our right. first our first show together was Lords of Salem. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, 
think so. No, it was uh, Tusk, wasn't it? No, that came later. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the the movie that inspired our do our you inviting me on the show. Yeah, but I think did. Lords of Salem was. Yeah, first, so. Lords of Salem probably yeah. was first. Yeah. All right, so is that all the news and uh, things you want to discuss? I think it is. It better be. Hours. I've talked for an hour already. My God. <laughs> I'm starting to up. sweat here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to take a quick break just to remind everyone who sponsors the show. And uh, when we come back, Michael and I, we're going to be here again, and we're going to discuss George Romero movies. With unmatched success since 2012, Crystal Lake Publishing has quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of horror and thriller books with a mystery and suspense edge. With stories, interviews, and essays by the likes of Wes Craven, Neil Gaiman, Jack Ketchum, Ramsey Campbell, Kevin Lucia, Jasper Bark, Mercedes M. Yardley, Mark Allen Gunnels, and Clive Barker, you'll want to dive right in. Crystal Lake Publishing www.crystallakepub.com Hi, welcome to the Patreon campaign for Crystal Lake Publishing. I'm Jasper Bach. Let me explain to you why I was thrilled to be an advocate. I've been working with Crystal Lake Publishing since the publication of their first official release, the anthology for The Night Is Dark. Over the last three years, I've watched them grow into one of the world's leading indie publishers of dark fiction. But times are hard for indie publishers, and that's why they need your support. Not only to pay the huge number of people who work tirelessly behind the scenes to make certain that each book is of the highest professional standard, but also to pay all anthology contributors a top professional rate, to include artwork in every single one of their books, and to pay a quarterly bonus on royalties to all their authors. In return, they are offering some truly amazing perks, so please do take a moment to go and check them out. The perks are offered over two tiers, so there is something to suit everyone's budget. And, because this is Patreon, you can put a cap on the amount of money you spend each month, so you will never go above budget. But, the main reason to support Crystal Lake Publishing is because they build communities. Communities of readers and writers, of artists and filmmakers, and genre enthusiasts of every stripe. And that's why I am so proud to be an associate, why I was thrilled to be an advocate for this campaign, and why, most importantly, I hope that you will join me. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> All right. Where we whisper. <laughs> Why are we whispering? I don't know. Don't wait, Mom and Dad. We're watching scary movies. <laughs> the mom 
mom and dad <laughs> thing. They might get mad. <laughs> did you do that as a kid? Did you like hide and watch horror movies? Like oh, at yeah. night, late at night. Yes, I did. That's when I remember. I uh, that's when I discovered that the audio for a horror movie sounds just like a porno most of the time. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> I never noticed that, well, honestly. There's a lot of wailing. <laughs> yeah, true. There's just a lot of wailing in both of those. Yeah, a lot of screaming. A lot of oh gods. Yep. Yeah. A okay. lot of bad dialogue a lot yeah. of the time. Especially when you're when you're listening to or watching old Italian horror films, they got that bad yeah. dubbing and the bad dubbing yeah. is a, is a dead giveaway for like seventies porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's like it's like they probably did have porn scenes, and they you know they shot it all together and they edit out the separate movies. <laughs> <laughs> and when some women are getting killed, you can't tell if they're having an orgasm or if they're in pain. Like oh oh oh, it's like uh, I would be like screaming yeah. a little more That's than that. Okay. <laughs> I, I would be, yeah, I would be crying too, and maybe <laughs> pooping my pants. But that's another story. Yes, <laughs> but now, now just imagine being eaten by. <laughs> this is actually uh, a fear of my wife's. She has a fear of, uh, of you know, it's, it's the reason why she's afraid of zombies. She can't stand the idea of being, you know, eaten alive by things that look human, like like zombies. That is that is really terrifying. It is a terrifying thought, but you know what? I've thought of this, and I. You know, in all honesty, if if I was to be chewed on by zombies, I would probably not like it one bit. But there's that one little part of me that that thinks I'd be looking down and seeing them pulling, you know, handfuls of intestines from my stomach and chewing on them, and I'm I'm certain somewhere inside me would be like, "Oh, this is fucking cool. <laughs> this is a cool way to go." That that's cool. Um, I I just think it's I. Like the the drop in my stomach because I would be turned into a zombie, and that <laughs> has to be that has to be really miserable because you. I don't know if well, interestingly enough, George Romero does get into this in in his later movies. Is that how much remains of your mind when when you're a zombie? Is there anything in you? Because that's just the insatiable need for human flesh and brains. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be like this constant hunger, sort of like uh, Nick Cutter's The Troop, you know, that just, that gnawing hunger all the time. Yeah. Oh, it would be terrible. It would be. It would be like a a hell all on its own. Sort of like being an addict, where you just can yeah. never... Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, George Romero, he was born uh, February the 4th, 1940, in New York City. And he died January or sorry July the sixteenth two thousand seventeen in Toronto. I didn't know he died in Toronto. I got this off Wikipedia, so I don't know if it's entirely true. But but if he died in Toronto, he died only like forty five minutes away from me, or an hour and a half around there. And you did nothing. I did nothing. You just sat there and did nothing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know. But he died of uh, a sudden and very aggressive form of lung cancer, which. You know, isn't surprising considering how much he smoked. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, too bad. Like, 
I believe he was 77 when he passed, and that's not, a, you know, it's not exactly the youngest of ages to go. But it was just like with Wes Craven. We didn't know he was sick, and yeah. uh, and it doesn't matter how old the person is. When they go quickly, it's a surprise, and I was very surprised. Yeah. There's a, a certain aspect of when somebody is ill for a long time that you can prepare yeah. for the inevitable. Um, I think it's probably better for the person to just go, you know, yeah. and not have to linger around with a long illness, but just for the, the people around, you know, being able to kind of prepare for it. The survivors, yeah, because it's easier to lose someone. It's never easy to lose someone you love, but it is easier if if you're if you live with the idea that they're going to go for, you know, a period of time and then they go, uh, when it, when, when they say it's a car accident or a drowning or, or, you know, something else awful happening quickly, that is, you don't get that, uh, conclusion that, you know, goodbye, (laughs) you don't get to, uh, you know, do, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for when you get closure, that's it. And, you know, with us fans, it's, it's, when somebody you admire who's in the media dies, we don't really get that anyway, unless they announce that they're dying and you get the idea, okay, they're going to die <laughs> and uh, and whatnot. But, you know, we don't, obviously, I guess the clo- what I'm getting at is the closure comes in another form. And I find that uh, a lot of us fans will, will, like, binge on their stuff after they've died. Yep. It doesn't matter if uh, if it took a while, though, or if they're dead, like, you know, suddenly. And uh, I kind of went on a, a Romero binge. I watched, like, the zombie movies and, and uh, some of the others. Yep, I just watched The Dark Half yesterday, oh. and um, one of his, his last zombie movies, I watched Diary of the Dead and, yeah. and Survival of the Dead will be today. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you uh, know, were you a big fan at all? I loved him. I loved him. I loved his zombie movies. Um, as I think, don't send your goons on me because we've already talked about this. I had never seen the entirety of Night of the Living Dead until like two years ago. Hmm. You know, but. It was one of those things where I've been raised to see clips of it, and I've known all my life, you know, what it was, mm-hmm. so it kind of felt like I had, um, but uh, Dawn of the Dead is is my favorite of his movies, it's like my favorite zombie movie mm-hmm. of all time, I love the whole the shopping mall thing, yeah. and... Uh, and when he came out with Land of the Dead, when I saw that in theaters, that was genius. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where he kind of hinted that that they might kind of know what's going on because he had that head zombie who was the gas station attendant. He was hanging around, you yeah. know, with the gas pump. As if he kind of remembered that that's what he used to do. Yeah. Yeah, he did that in uh, Day of the Dead, too, with Bub. Um the zombie who was uh, in the military uh, before yeah. dying, and uh, and he remembered music, and uh, well, in the end, he fires a gun <laughs> too. So, and he salutes uh, somebody after yeah. they die, which was I, I. I used to be a huge Bub fan. I love Bub. <laughs> <laughs> Bub's awesome. 
Now, for me... I just I never really got into Day of the Dead because it's one of those action horror movies. Eh, yeah. And I don't know if I like those I think that much. Day of the Dead has its cult following, but it's... Uh, I think it's, again, I'm sort of in the minority. It's my favorite, and I'm in the minority of that. But uh, it's I my favorite. I hear fav- that a lot, though. You, you have you have a lot of lot of people on your side. I think I hear a lot of people talking day. I love it because it's so it's over the top and it's just a lot of fun. Um, but it's very gory and it's got the same sort of messages that the other movies do. Yeah. Um, but it, it's definitely the one that left its mark on me the most. Uh, and I honestly I can't tell why, except for maybe the time period in which I first saw it. And uh, I was that always has a big thing to do with it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I just remember being, you know, on the couch and watching this thing with my friends. Um, but, you know, uh, George Romero, he really left uh, an imprint on me with his movies. If it wasn't for George Romero and his zombie movies, I wouldn't have written my first novel, The Haunted Country. Yeah. Um, yeah. George Romero introduced me to... Uh, flesh-eating zombies uh, the way that we know them today and you know it's not just me it's everyone uh we wouldn't have the the flesh-eating zombies today if it wasn't for george and george romero and john russo so um i remember back in the mid 90s uh i'd be i would be uh, uh well actually back then you know if you think about it there was no market for for zombie films really then it was only uh it was all, you know, small budget type stuff. And it was yeah. the same with these movies back in the 70s or the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, it, it, you know, it's hard to pinpoint when and how the zombie genre became such a over-flooded thing. But, you know, I'm really happy, honestly. Yeah, because, because Romero had his movies. They were always there. Yeah. But, but you're right. It wasn't like... I mean... Zombie movies were kind of a constant, and they dribbled out. And then Romero would come out with a new one, and that was a big deal. But it didn't create a, a phenomenon. Yeah, it, it, but it well, it kind of did later. I think there's maybe it was just a small growing thing. You know, the kids who watched the movies in in the eighties and nineties back then, they would instill yeah. that kind of love onto the next generation. And next thing you know, you have movies like. Well, the Dawn of the Dead remake, which is what really kicked it in motion, and the Brian Keane books, um, those two things colliding together created such a an influx of the zombie genre. People are are bitching about it today. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, I'm so yeah. sick of the zombie genre," and uh, that that's fine. I'm kind of tired of it too, but only because it's been done so much. I don't think zombies zombies hit mainstream so hard and for so long now that I don't think you're ever going to completely see them go away. It's going to be like the vampire, where it raises yeah. and lowers like a wave. Uh, you're going to see it get popular again. You're going to not you know, see it kind of go away, and then it'll get yeah. popular again. At least that's what because I, I love zombies. I really love zombies. Um, I'm ready for, for them to ebb now, because there's just too much, mm-hmm. and I don't want to watch another zombie movie ever in my life. But really, I do. <laughs> Because zombies are really, that's a really scary concept, because they're your neighbors. I think that's, like, what the horror philosophers think, you know, as you see your neighbors and 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 they're coming after you suddenly, you know. Um, it's a humanoid kind of person, uh, and, and that's really frightening. Yeah. 
Now, Romero, of course, he did other movies as well. Um, yes, Monkey Shines. Yeah. and uh, But they're, in my mind, they're, they are just as smart. They usually have... Uh, like a point to them, uh, you know, a, a message, a pretty interesting, at least somewhat intellectual message. And, uh, uh but I, you know, because zombies are just more fun. <laughs> I like his zombie movies better, but I, I like some of his other movies too. Uh, like Monkey Shines. I remember watching that, I think when it came out in VHS for the first time and being yeah. blown away and, uh, but not knowing it was George Romero who did it. <laughs> I didn't learn that. Yeah, until. I don't think I knew knew that until I saw it on Netflix a couple years ago, and I'm like, really? Yeah, I learned <laughs> I learned about it about five years ago. I think I was like, George Romero did that? No way. <laughs> now I, I got and I, mean, I think we I think we should make a special emphasis on his original Night of the Living Dead because that was that was revolutionary. In so many ways, oh, the for sure. the impact, uh, well, not the impact, but the message of civil rights, uh-huh. which he says wasn't wasn't meant to be in there, and I I think that's why I love Romero so much is he he wasn't even thinking about it, and and he just made a, a young black man the hero of the whole thing, you know, at that time, um, yeah. to do it like naturally, like well, why why wouldn't I, um, and just the ending that nihilistic. You know the that feeling at the end where it's not like oh it's it's happy everything got tied up or sudden scary like carry ending where it's like oh boy final scare but you just kind of feel numb and sick to your stomach and and you think about oh this is just gonna keep going and and oh it's uh, a huge impact yeah and I like what you know the irony of of what happens to the. Uh, uh, our black hero was interesting, yeah, because that was really yeah. where the civic, you know, <laughs> message uh, comes in, um, sort of. Anyway, uh, just the idea of you know him surviving the night, and you know, it's not really a spoiler. The movie's been around for like forty years or more, and it's it's in the the public domain, so you can like go on Facebook or not Facebook. Well, you could probably find it on Facebook too but you can go to YouTube and watch it for free uh, yeah. y- you know usually when you buy like zombie compilation movie DVDs it always has that in there <laughs> because it's uh, a yeah. it's uh, it's in the the public domain but yeah the, the Do you young... know what happened with that this is kind of an interesting story that go I'm ahead, interrupting yeah. you with I'm sorry no go ahead. Um, when he when he finished Night of the Living Dead, which also I think the story goes that they finished it and they put the reels in in the trunk of his car and they drove to New York and, and found like little itty bitty theaters to run it. But when they filmed it, he just simply forgot to put a copyright on it. Yeah, it just slipped his mind, and because of that, the movie was was like in the public domain. He made no money off of that because yeah. because he didn't he didn't state that he had the rights to it. Which is why he went and and he did those remakes himself, you know, yeah. a few years later, um, because he simply he didn't get, you know, he he created the zombie, you know, for all intents and purposes, and and yeah, it was a one little mistake. <laughs> but you know, yeah. if he had the rights for that, if it didn't slip into the public uh, or uh, the public domain. 
it might not have reached the status it, it did. You know what I mean? He might have, uh, might have, you know, held on to you know those rights pretty strongly as you would if you own the rights to something like that. So maybe that was just you know uh, fortune <laughs> working out. You know, yeah. zombies have to get popular. The so. proliferation of them. <laughs> yeah. I, it's hard to say how the movie would have turned out if he had the rights for that, but uh, it is unfortunate. He probably would have died a billionaire. <laughs> if, I think if he, it was probably pretty close. Yeah, he, but yeah, he died pretty <laughs> rich anyway. But that's the Excuse me. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's it. That is an unfortunate story, but you know, um, <laughs> you know, shit happens. Uh, he he went on to make other films that were, I in my opinion, better. I, uh, not to knock on Night of the Living Dead, it's, you know, it's understandably a classic, inspired so much, but, you know, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, I love those films so much more, and Land of the Dead, too. Yeah, I mean, definitely I say Dawn of the Dead is my favorite, but at the same time, I do believe that Night of the Living Dead is better than, than all of the others, you know, just... You know, my favorite aside, um, although after actually sitting down and watching the whole thing, it's, it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the okay. quality of it, I think, is just is his best movie, you know, regardless yeah. of, of favorite. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Now, as I was saying, he did do uh, other movies, and he, he hasn't always uh, done movies in the horror genre. Uh, he did, he did like the older woman type film, if you know what I mean. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the young it, that movie uh, is, I believe, called the affair. It's either the affair or Hungry Wives. I don't, I'm not sure which one. Um, I know Hungry Wives was the original title, and then it's had a couple other titles. Yeah, and they came out year after year. 1971, The Affair, and then 1972. Hungry Wives. Now, those were, like, more, like, adult... Not, not adult, like, porno films. They were just more that adult-oriented type of film that most kids wouldn't really give a shit about. Um, just about, you know, how uh, adults kind of fuck around, <laughs> as far as I can tell, anyway. But in 1973, he released The Crazies. Now, I, I haven't yeah. I haven't seen this movie. I was going to watch it in preparation for the show, but it just never happened. Um, I saw the remake, though, a long time ago. And to me, it seemed like uh, just another zombie film, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, did, I have seen parts of uh, The Crazies, uh, the original. And I think that's a lot less zombie, actually. It's more just people going crazy and becoming violent. I've never seen any of the original, and The Crazies, the remake, is kind of an interesting one for me, because I've tried watching it twice, and I fell asleep, mm. which is not a condemnation of the movie, because it looked really good. I just happened to start it on nights when I was extremely exhausted, so I still haven't seen that. <laughs> it's not a bad movie. I like it. Um, it's not a favorite, though. Um, I sh I sure like the the first twenty minutes that I've seen twice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Timothy uh, Oliphant, I think his name is. He's uh he's pretty good. Yeah, I like the baseball game. Yeah, I like in yeah. that. <laughs> I I always remember the conversation they have at the beginning of that of that film. 
around springtime. They're like, it's baseball season. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, a signifier that it's springtime. Winter is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that conversation. I don't. I, I, I kind of hate winter, so I think that's why that conversation sticks out <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, in 1978... Now, I did re- watch this one recently, and I'm glad I did. Uh, he did Martin. Have you seen this one? Oh... I don't remember. I have to let me look it up and see the. While you talk about it, I'll, yeah, this, I'll check it. This movie is interesting in that it well, it's a vampire film, but throughout the whole film, and even <laughs> at the film's conclusion, you don't know if Martin is actually a vampire or or if it's just uh, in his head. I'm, I'm leaning towards that it's just in his head because he comes from a family <laughs> that believes they're cursed. Uh, when he was born, he was in line to be the next curse of the family, and the curse being that he's a vampire. So he's been told his entire life that he's a vampire, but he believes that he's like 84 years old, and, uh, you know, there's absolutely no evidence given to us that he is actually a vampire, except for that he's killing women and slitting their wrists uh, to do so, and drinking their blood. Um, That sounds really good. I have not seen that. He kills a couple of people. Uh, we watch how he does it. He He's sort of like Dexter. He has this needle with something in it that puts them to sleep. It's probably morphine or something. And uh, they <laughs> he, like, apologizes to them while they're falling asleep. And he's like, he'll wake up, don't worry, and, and stuff like that. But, of course, you know, he uh, bleeds them out and <laughs> drinks all their blood. <laughs> I don't know how anyone could do that. Uh, obviously, this movie was done in '78, not in the '80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you you could go either way, though. Maybe he was a vampire. I don't know. Well, I can't wait to see it. I'm it's gonna a, have to find that. Somewhere. It's a good film. You can find that one as well on YouTube and watch it for free. That's how I saw it actually. Oh. And it's not a the the copy I found to watch is not a terrible uh, copy. It's pretty clear it's not hd by any means but it's not all fuzzy either so you can watch it easily and then in 1978 he did the the almighty dawn of the dead michael's favorite yeah because Uh, i love shopping i think (laughs) i think that's it you know i i don't necessarily like shopping but i do love the idea of being trapped in (laughs) in a mall with nobody yeah. else, you know, just with like my small band of people, nobody else. I just and, and uh, I just I love that theme that you know about commercialism, you know, right right when it was in the eighties and, and the Reagan era, and there's you know yeah, because shopping malls were there were a lot of rich people, and it was Dynasty, and it was Dallas, and, and all that, yeah. and he just attacked that, you know, even even before. You know, anybody else was criticizing the commercialism, you know? He was, like, the first one to say, well, this is kind of an empty experience. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, at the time, the whole shopping mall and plaza idea was uh, pretty young. Um, That's true, yeah. It was fairly new. So he was kind of taking a poke at that. And, you know, the idea, you could actually live in a mall uh, without needing to leave it at all. So, um, you know... The idea that you're 
kind of criticizing the way we live and the fact that we're all zombies who... <laughs> who yeah, who will, exactly. You know, the big important thing for us when after we die is uh, the thing we're going to remember about our lives is going to the shopping mall. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we're going to yeah. go when we become zombies because it's a comforting thought. Yeah. That's sort of the yeah, idea, was, you know? It was just, it was, it was really brilliant. Yeah. I thought, really, really brilliant. And I just, I, I love the biker gang, too. <laughs> I I get sad when the biker gang comes in because I love when the people are happy <laughs> living in pennies or whatever. Yeah. But you know what? I love what happens to the biker gang because in every George Romero zombie film you get the same thing happens at the end you get that scene yeah. where people are being torn apart and there's that intestine scene where uh yeah even in night of the living dead you get the intestine scene now that's yeah. where the zombies dig into someone's stomach and pull out the intestines and they start gnawing on them <laughs> i mean that that never gets old no it never does <laughs> you could do that in every movie from now on until the end of movies. I'd be happy with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some, some heavy Oscar drama, you know, Bad Pet just leans over and pulls somebody. <laughs> pulls Leo DiCaprio's intestines out and starts chewing. <laughs> every movie needs this. I don't know why Hollywood yeah. just doesn't catch on to this. Jesus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, Weinsteins. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, Dawn of the Dead's one of my favorites, too. Um, it was, it was, I think it, it was the first one I saw of, uh, the Dead series, and then it was, uh, Night of the Living Dead, and then Day of the Dead, but, uh, yeah, it, that one is definitely a favorite. I love the beginning, too, because it, it's kind of not necessary to the rest of the film, but it's so much fun to watch when, when they invade that building, uh, the cops, and, uh, you have, like, the, it's a poor community, uh, full of, um, African Americans, and and there's like some seriously fucked up shit going on in that building because of the uh, the zombie outbreak, and uh, it's just it's just so it's awful, and yet you can't take your eyes away from it. I just love it. That's so weird because I don't remember that. No, weird. You need I, to I watch that. I remember le- them landing the helicopter on top of the on top of the mall. Oh, uh, maybe. Well, you know. Maybe that's like the theatrical version. I'm not sure. the The version I've always watched was like the director's version. I have this DVD that's like a black box and it has three different versions. So I'm not sure. Nice, but with my memory, that could be. You know, I. Yeah, that's true too. That's <laughs> just like me to forget. <laughs> we need to rewatch it. And tell me if the version well, you watch, yeah. um, if it has that in the beginning. Because uh, I'd be interested to see what version it is. Yeah. Versus the one that I've always seen over and over again. And over and over and over. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> in 1981, he released Night Riders. Now, this one, I have no interest in watching it. I have no idea what it's like. It could be a good movie. I don't know. But it looks kind of ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the cover... Yeah, I don't bother with that one. <laughs> the, the cover... <laughs> If I remember correctly, the cover has, like, this person on a motorcycle, and they look like a knight or something. Yep. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's just, uh, yeah, the, the cover is usually a good indication. So, <laughs> let's, let's keep on going. In 1982, he did the uh, another Almighty film collaboration with Stephen King, Creepshow. Yes. 
I love this this movie. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Did you direct all the segments of that? You know, I don't know. I uh, I think he did. I want to say he did, but I could be wrong. I know he wrote a lot of it with Stephen King, and uh, they cl- kind of collaborated on that. And I'm pretty sure he directed the whole thing. I think that's, that that was sort of the point. I think but, he did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Stephen King. And when it comes to Creep Show, I take back you know my feelings about about Tales from the Crypt because I do love Creep Show. Um, just the those segments that kind of encapsulated you know hour and a half or whatever. I really love that. Yeah. I love that. It's just fun, you know. It some of it is kind of like eye rolling <laughs> type of horror. Like especially the Father's Day segment, when uh, <laughs> when the evil dad comes back and he wants his Father's Day cake. <laughs> I just I just like meteor shit. Oh yeah, I love that one though. That 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 one stars <laughs> Stephen King, and he plays yep. that backwoods hick. <laughs> yep. Meteor shit. It. Yeah, and, you and know, the cockroach scene just makes me cringe. I don't like that. Oh yuck. <laughs> <laughs> but you know Stephen King's gone on to criticize his own acting but I think it's awesome right? because he's over the top <laughs> and uh, you can tell he's yeah. having fun and uh, yep. I, you know I just love watching him do shit like that it's very fitting it is yeah it, it works and it, it has a bit of a tragic ending in that one too yeah <laughs> kaboom alright so 85 comes Day of the Dead my favorite now this movie, uh, uh, you know, this movie is just fun. Like a lot of people, the people who don't like it don't like it because of its over the topness, and it is so far yeah. over the top. Like the acting in it is just, you know, I think it's well done because I think that was sort of the point. Uh, you have scientists versus army people, and uh, you know they're stuck in a, a nuclear fallout compound. It's either that or a mining shaft. I forget. It was one of the two. Actually, I think it's the mining. But anyways, um, and they're the only survivors that they can find. They can't find anyone else. They're radioing people. They're, like, flying out in a helicopter trying to find other survivors. So they think they're alone. And so their own, uh, and also the fact that they keep dying. Like, uh, when we first meet them, uh, the group of people, they just lost their, uh, uh, the next top-of-the-line person. So they have, like, a sergeant running running the whole show now, and this sergeant is insane, he's uh, batshit crazy, <laughs> so uh, so basically it's like a martial law takes place within their little community, and uh, insanity literally ensues, and uh, it's just fun, man, just watching these people, it's like they all know they're going to die very soon, and there's nothing they can do about it, death is surrounding them, and it's like creeping its way in. They keep dying slowly, and yet they're still running these crazy experiments on the zombies, hoping to find a cure or something. <laughs> and uh, they all know it's hopeless, so so they're letting it... They're pretty much... <clears throat> there's a dog barking somewhere. They're pretty much, uh, they're pretty much you know, uh, becoming the cause of their own extinction. And I think that says something about humanity right there. And I think part of the reason why I don't like that one very much is that now I'm coming at it, you know, coming, like, back at 85, that would have been a much more original idea. But now, 
with all the zombie shows and movies, that's that's the big cliche, is that it's the scientists versus the army, and you always have your community, and the and the army wants to control it, and you have all oh, the people with the guns are taking taking control of the rest of the people, and that's you know just a constant conflict in those movies. But when Day of the Dead came out, that would have been fresh. Yeah, so, for sure. You know, I kind of it's kind of anachronistic for me to say I don't like it because of those things because mm-hmm. it's not you know, it wasn't uh, it was original back then. Yeah. For me the movie, I don't really care about any message in that movie to be honest. It's uh <laughs> it's honestly it's just fun for me to watch that movie. When I put that movie on, if I'm in the mood for it, which I usually am if I'm putting it on, um I'm like swept in every time. It's just there's something about it. It's very theatrical. And it pulls it pulls me in, and I just uh, I just fall for it every time. It's it's a shit ton of fun, as they like to say. <laughs> I love those movies. Yeah, and that, whenever you catch it, you're like, oh, it's time to stop whatever I was doing. This is on. Yeah, exactly. I do that. Now, yep. ne- next uh, in 1988, uh, George Romero did uh, the one you mentioned, Monkey Shines. Yeah. Now this movie is depressing as all hell. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, just imagine losing or becoming paralyzed suddenly from the neck down. And you know, the one thing that sticks out in my mind about that film, even though it's been years since I've seen it, is when he comes home from the hospital, and after a little while, he tries to take his own life, and and he tries to do it with a you know like a plastic bag. <laughs> And he, he obviously fails at it, but but that's just so very like that that right there shows you exactly the 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 frame of mind somebody who goes through something like that would would feel. Yeah, and then adopting an evil monkey on top of it. I mean, <laughs> and then the little monkey comes in. Yay! <laughs> oh, everybody wants a pet monkey, but not after this film. <laughs> He was like the first one to do the whole capuchin monkey thing too, because that got to be a thing. Like uh, in Friends, when Ross had <laughs> had uh, Marcel, when yeah, he had Marcel. Monkey, yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> so once again, Romero on the cutting edge. <laughs> he he. It doesn't matter how small it is. He created it. <laughs> yep. Now uh, you you like Monkey Shines? One of your favorites? Is that what you said? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I think it's kind of a weird, you know, it's not like the greatest thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, I look back on it more fondly than like when I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of groaning. Yeah. yeah. I, I only saw it the once, like when it came out in VHS and uh, for rental. And, you know, I, I just remember those two things, the guy trying to commit suicide and, and the monkey yeah. going all evil on <laughs> Like, damn, it was on I... Netflix. It showed up, and like, like the first time that I saw it on new releases, I, I watched it, and yeah, I groaned, and and it's sort of, you know, the that whole time of of movies, you know, in the nineties and the first, you know, yeah. As we get closer to the nineties, I think we we talked about that before that, you know, the movies from that era are kind of strange, and I'm not the biggest fan. But, yeah, uh, me neither. I mean, either you had horror movies from the 90s that a lot of people argue are not horror movies, like Seven, 
but that's totally a horror movie. And uh, and uh, you know, uh, Silence of the Lambs, movies like that. Yeah. Either they're really fucking good, but you're debating whether or not they're horror, or they're this like weird cheesy stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And even the franchises, like uh, the Friday the Thirteenth, that's where they really started to lose. Uh, any yeah. any goodness about their films, in my opinion. Yeah, really. yeah. So the '90s was a, a strange transitional period for a lot of media that we uh, consume. Yep. Now, and, and looking back, it's kind of a minor thing, but the film stock that they used—I don't know exactly what they were using, but it, but it has a certain look. It it's not as as sharp and good as as things came, you know, later on. And it doesn't have that warm kind of grainy thing from the seventies. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's you know. Probably it doesn't help that everything's high definition now when we're we're watching the old standard definition nineties stuff. Yeah. But but it just it has a certain look to it that that I, it doesn't even appeal to me. Yeah. I yeah. I, I actually I don't remember that, but I can. I know what you're talking about because I've seen things like that before. It's almost like they're not printed correctly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, who knows? All right, so in 1993 uh, comes The Dark Half, yet another somewhat Stephen King-George uh, Romero collaboration, in the sense that George Romero adapted Stephen King's novel of the same title. Now, I honestly was never a fan <laughs> of this book or the movie, but you know what? Um that was like 20 years ago for me. Uh, if I read it now, I might be able to pick out something that I would enjoy uh, today because, you know, perhaps I've experienced enough to be able to take away something from that novel that would mean more to me than uh, than it did when I first read it. Were you ever a fan of that? I think so. Um, yes. I think the movie is pretty good. I'd probably give it three stars, you know, a solid three star, but I love the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's I always get into the Stephen King novels that talk about writers and the writer life that I mean I think for obvious reasons so and I think if you if you read it now with your experience of you know your writing and mm-hmm. everything I, I think you'd like it quite a bit um, and then with the kind of knowledge that Stephen King at the time was going through the you know his pseudonym of Richard Bachman yeah. and how George is, is kind of like Richard Bachman. It's uh, I I really enjoy it. Yeah, I, well, I, lo- I love the I love the story of this. The novel's great. Um, I, the movie's okay. Yeah, I definitely want to go back and reread that. Um, the movie, I'll probably watch it again after I reread the Dark Half again because that's sort of the way I like doing things. I like reading the book and then watching the yeah. movie. So uh, uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to do that, but I don't know when. <laughs> I have so much shit I have to <laughs> yeah, read. Yeah, I know both of our lists of, of to be read and to be watched are mammoth. Yeah, they're like mountains that could <laughs> fall over any day and crush you. <laughs> All right, in 2000, you know what? I did not know this movie existed until the last couple of days. In 2000, George Romero wrote and directed a movie called Bruiser. Have you seen this one? Yeah. Yeah, I started and I, I it, just, it didn't click with me. Really? So I did not finish. I yeah, watched, I watched it. Now yeah. I want to give it a, a second chance, 
but uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't do anything for me at the time. Huh. Well, you know, I watched it recently, the last couple of days, and uh, and I wouldn't say it blew me away, but I, I found myself uh, interested in it and and watching it and being. Uh, entertained, and you know, it got me thinking too about the 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 things that were going on in the film. Um, it's it, it kind of starts off a little bit slowly. the 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 description says, you know, nice guy. Uh, basically, you get stepped over all the time. And that's sort of the theme, but yeah. the guy didn't really come off as all that nice to me in the beginning. And it right? didn't. Yeah, it didn't seem like he was. Uh, you know, he was stepped over certain, but you know, people betray each other all the time, and you don't—you're not necessarily aware of it. That doesn't make you a person who, uh, who uh, you know, gets stepped on all the time. You can't always be aware of yeah. who's fucking you over. Well, it turns out this guy, yeah. everyone's fucking over <laughs> pretty much. He has his uh, people who are on his side in that, but uh, 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 basically, the idea is though. Uh, <clears throat> the one thing actually. <laughs> You know, I don't know if it's because I, I, I write what I write or if it's just who I am. I'm not a violent guy at all. I'm quite the pacifist, actually, and I believe in passes, passivism. But when it comes to, uh, you know, people pissing me off, <laughs> inside my mind, I'm like a terrible <laughs> serial-killing monster. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, when people do shit, like they cut in front of you in line or something, or they flip you off... Uh, you know, they give you the finger while you're driving. You know, you, you just have these terrible thoughts of all the terrible things you could do to them. You'd never actually do it, but it's somehow comforting thinking that you, you know, just thinking of it. And uh, this movie has that guy, just like me, so I, I kind of identified with him. And that uh, <laughs> there's a few scenes where he, you know, envisions him himself doing terrible things to people because they pissed him off. And uh, I was like, yeah, I, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I liked the film. Um, it was interesting that, you know, once he figures out that there's shit happening, uh, suddenly there's a mask attached to his face, and he goes on a bit of a killing spree to get back at all the people who are fucking him over. And, uh, you know, it's fun. It's it, The thing I didn't like about it is at the end it gets... There's some comedic aspects at the end that I don't know if they fit, but uh, but overall, I thought it was a good film. I'd give it three and a half, four, four stars, honestly. Well, I'll have to sit down and actually watch it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. All right, 2005, they have Land of the Dead. He uh, wrote and directed Yay. that. So another, it's, well, in my mind, it's, it's the last of the series, even though it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, this movie... It was shot like a movie should be shot. wasn't the found footage stuff. Um, nothing wrong with found footage films, but you got to know what you're doing <laughs> uh, when you're doing them. But, you know, Land of the and Dead... And it's time to stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's just time to stop them for a while. Uh, this movie is some interesting concepts, too. It's uh, basically, uh, you know, survival of the fittest type idea. Um, you know, the idea that the rich... Uh, will survive the poor and they will use the poor to survive. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of like that theme because, you know, you, you see that even still today. Actually, you see it more today than you probably did back then. Unless, of course, you're living in that world. See, so you, you sort of had the same idea, actually, in Bruiser. Um, there was a lot of that going on with rich people. Uh, well, at least with rich people fucking each other over. 
<laughs> you gotta wonder how they how they would survive in a world like that. But uh, the land of the dead, uh, you know, uh, all themes aside, it's another just you know, it's a fun movie. I, I liked watching it. I liked the characters; they were relatable. And uh, and you know what was interesting about this is Dario Ardento's daughters in this film. Um, uh, what's her name? China or. Uh, Argento, I think. Is it China or something like that? I'm going to have to look that up now. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, she is in, like, almost every one of her father's films. <laughs> almost. Um, but... But she's in this movie. She plays the uh, the, the woman who uh, is basically the ass-kicking, leather-wearing... Uh, Asia Argento. Asia, <laughs> that's it, yes. Oh, China, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny that you made that connection. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I couldn't remember her name yet. I, I titled her China instead of Asia. <laughs> that's how the brain works, people, at least mine. <laughs> but yeah, she's in the film, and, and she kicks a ton of ass. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised to see her, though, because I guess... Well, actually, <laughs> I do know that... Uh, George Romero and uh, and Dario, they were friends. Uh, I think I don't know if they collaborated on anything, but I think they uh, at least uh, I think uh, George Romero helped Dario make films and stuff like that. So oh. I don't know. I know that uh, I think it's Dario. No, I think that was Fulci actually. Oh, I have to brush up on my uh, history of that kind of stuff. But I know that uh, they were friends at least. So that's probably how she got in the movie. But but it was it was interesting to see her there. And I didn't know this, you know. I I think we both looked her up at the same time. She has my exact birthday. Oh, does she? <laughs> cool. Year, day, and year. She was. We were born on the exact same day. Wow, you're like twins. <laughs> yeah. So she, yeah, okay. That's that's really neat. Uh, this movie she also should be in the newsletter. I don't know why she's not. <laughs> that's funny uh, this movie also has uh, Dennis Hopper in it he plays uh, uh, he plays basically the, the big bad rich guy <coughs> the Donald Trump <coughs> um, yeah and uh, uh, also uh, what's his name you know what I can't remember John yes him he's in it too he yeah. plays really awesome role yeah, in this I as well him. I loved his role, and, you know, he was awesome. Uh, Where would you rank Land of the Dead? Oh, I love that movie. I I really, really do. Um, I mean, in in the series, I guess, you know, Dawn is my favorite, and and Night of the Living Dead is just a masterpiece. So, I mean, it would be be third out of four, but, but... I, I do love Land of the Dead, and I mean I don't know for sure, but I think that was the biggest budget that Romero ever had, I and it, was, it comes yeah. across really well. Yeah. You know, I love the production values on it, and that's nice to see sometimes. You know, watch a lot of indie horror, and and for the most part, I like indie horror better. But when you get a good movie and it's got all that slick professionalism, I like that too. I do. Yeah, well, except they should have called it Dusk of the Dead. I mean, come on. I know they they uh, 
he yeah <laughs> he, he stopped his his whole point there so yeah. yeah oh well i can't have it all i suppose uh, it was just a kind of a miracle that uh, the studios backed that project and uh well, it wasn't a miracle, really, because at the time, zombies were huge. And they were just getting huge. So it was really the smart thing to do at that time. And uh, I, I would say it was a success, for sure. And I, I love the zombies in it. I love the, you know, I, I believe that was on the trailer when they come out of the water. Yeah, I love um, that part, yeah. I thought that was a nice scene. I, I just thought that the, the whole zombies and, and the mob of zombies were, were really well done in, in that one. I was I was really happy with, with how that, that went. I love that that uh, zombie hunter truck that they had. Yeah, that was uh, cool. This one just worked for me, and it's hard <laughs> yeah. for me to say exactly why, but yeah, I love this one. All right, after Land of the Dead in 2007, and I'm just going to group these two together, 2009, we had Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead. They're both, they're sort of connected, those two films. They're both uh, found footage, and I think the story sort of uh, continues in one fashion or another. I can't remember, but I remember remember them being big heaping piles of shit and uh, not wanting to, you know, return to that world. I know that, uh, I'm pretty sure that Romero initiated making these films. Uh, he wanted to make them. I just don't know what happened after that, because they're not really all that great at all. And they don't seem to be next in line, because Diary of the Dead, well, I mean, they can't be, because they show the phenomenon of, of the zombies happening, and that's a surprise to them. Yeah. So I guess they're kind of, you know in their own whole world. Uh, like I say, I haven't seen Survival yet. I watched Diary yesterday, and I didn't like it. No. It's not a favorite. Kind of the, the, yeah. I don't think they were theatrical releases, either. It, they weren't, like, oh, really big. They were straight to video, I believe, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird that, that Romero did that, because, I mean, even in, the, in his movies that I didn't particularly particularly care for, He's he's always a quality writer director, you know. Yeah. And uh, and and Diary of the Dead just wasn't very good. No, I'm thinking that they shouldn't have gone with the uh, the uh, found footage style, but I'm thinking that yeah. they did that for you know monetary reasons. It was cheaper. It's very cheap to do that kind of thing. So you don't have to worry about the expensive equipment. You just have the uh, or hiring the cameraman. You just uh, have the you know the yeah. the actors carry the cameras around, and so that that cuts a lot of the cost. And uh, um, as to what happened, like I think honestly, some of it too was just that uh, I've heard this theory before, and it made sense to me when I heard it. That uh, you know George Romero, he comes from actual film. That that's what he knows. So working yeah. with this type of camera and you know trying to make a story out of it was kind of foreign to him, and and he probably should have just stuck with what he knew, because then he probably would have at least made a compelling story out of it instead of you know what we got. But the fact that he yeah. returned and did another one, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know what happened with those films, but you know they're there. You can watch them. Uh, they, they do have their good parts. Uh, they're gory. <laughs> they have their nastiness, and uh, uh, that's about it, I guess. But, but yeah, that's 
you know, uh, aside from all those films, you know, there's a couple I cut out because there's just no real reason to talk about them. Um, but he did a lot of TV too. I cut that out as well. But um, uh, as we were talking about Tales from the Dark Side, um, I think he did some mainstream television shows as well. Uh, so he had a pretty full career. He, his, you know, it's funny that you know he only did twenty films, and the fact that you can say he only did twenty films shows how prolific some directors that we admire really are. Um, yeah. But these films, especially the you know the Dead uh, series, they're uh, landmarks in uh, the horror community. It doesn't matter if you like zombies or not. These these films are just. Uh, they're paramount to, you know, the whole evolution of horror, especially in the zombie, uh, zombie subgenre. So Romero is one of the masters of horror. Yes, for sure, un- undoubtedly. And you uh, know, I mean, most of his movies were were good. He was, you know, uh, always admired him. But when you, when you think about his his dead series. Those are just staples, mm-hmm. you know. To be the guy, I mean, to have that, you know, that's that's really, really amazing. Yeah. He did such great work and 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 just and basically invented a whole subgenre. Yeah, I mean, I know zombies were around beforehand. But I don't even, I can't, I don't think I've ever seen a, a zombie movie before Romero's. But I, I have. mean, he's the one that made them. Yeah. Uh, he made, them flesh eating. Them. Yeah, he made them flesh-eating, yeah, he made them flesh-eating mindless monsters uh, before they were, like, slaves, mostly. Uh, sort of like... Yeah, the, the whole uh, the voodoo-type zombies, yeah. yeah. And uh, they, were, they, they were, I think, other types of zombies before his... Uh, I can't remember what, though. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen them. Movies like uh, I Walked with a Zombie... Um, and then, of course, there's White Zombie that we already mentioned, but... Uh, yeah. Um, and then there's Rob Zombie, who we also mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but he, he really defined... He, he Not too many people can say that they altered something that's uh, consumed by, uh, you know, massive mounds of, uh, uh, you know, people. So he, yeah. he really left his uh, staple, and he's going to rem- be remembered for as long as we consume this kind of stuff, yeah. which will probably be it, until... It really is amazing. I mean, I'm just going to rant on it, but, like, Wes Craven invented Freddy, and Sean Cunningham invented Jason, but, you know, Romero invented a subgenre. So, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. That's really not <laughs> crazy. You could... Tr- uh, contribute uh, the whole slasher thing to John Carpenter, uh, John Carpenter, though, because of Halloween. Of course, yeah. A lot of people say that that's true. like the first slasher film when it's arguable whether it is or not. But it is the movie that yeah that sparked it's the slasher. Certainly the thing. one that you know, like like Romero made the modern zombie. I mean, Carpenter really made the modern slasher. You know. So. Yeah. So so that is our show on. Uh, on George Romero, and you know, I'm sad that he's gone, but um, you know, I hope uh, it seems like our, our day and age of great directors, horror directors, is going away, and I hope that that's not true. That's not an accurate prediction. I uh, because you know, I like reveling in these directors. I like going into their movies and watching what they're doing, 
And uh, I think we have a pretty good new guard coming up, though, with James Wan and Adam Wingard. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Jason so. Jason Bloom or Blum. I always say Bloom um, from a producer standpoint. You yeah, know, he's Blumhouse doing great things. Yeah. Is extraordinary. So, yeah, I guess I'm just. So being, it's, it's just a weird changing of the guard because the greats that we know are gone. And yeah, I guess I'm being unnecessary, unnecessarily modeling, but uh, but you know, I think where that comes from, honestly, is just you know seeing seeing all your favorites going away, uh, yeah. dying or stopping to make mo- stopping what they're doing or what they were doing and making movies. It's just, you know, I, I want them to be in their prime again and to make more movies. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a horror mo- there's a horror story for you. Some guy who has the power to bring back the dead, make them at the age of 30 or 40 again, and make them keep making yeah. movies throughout. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just need to add really quick, anybody that's made it this far, check out the documentary Birth of the Living Dead. It's a documentary about... about the making of the original Night of the Living Dead, and it's phenomenal. Yes. Um, you get to learn lots of little trivia bits about Night of the Living Dead and how he used so many locals from the from the Pittsburgh area that they show up in the movie, like they actually had the, the newsman was the mayor or, or things like that. Um, that's really good. Yes, definitely check that out. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to close out the show. So there's our show for George Romero. Uh, you know, I'm kind of tongue-tied now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to miss him. You know, he was also a staple from every horror documentary. You know, you're going to you're gonna talk to, uh, you're going to see John Carpenter, you're going to see Wes Craven. Um, and John George... Landis is going to poke his head in there for one clip, but Romero is, is, is always in there yeah. talking about his contribution. <laughs> you know, I... I saw pictures of him from when he was like 30 or 40 doing movies and then pictures of him later in his life and you gotta wonder where those glasses came from <laughs> yeah his big cataract glasses or whatever they are it's cause he looked like just a normal dude with somewhat long hair back in the 80s 70s and then suddenly he's got these big bug ass glasses <laughs> I mean, but isn't re- that how you how you think of him though? Yeah, I mean, he that's how I think of him. Isn't yeah. George A. Romero without those? Yeah, I, I love that look. I, I have to wonder if it wasn't intentional, maybe to a certain point, because you know that's how people rem- will remember him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, thank you everyone for listening uh, at our rambling about George Romero. Uh, as you can tell, we're both big fans, and uh, and we are going to miss him. So, if you want to get a hold of us, maybe we got one of our facts wrong or something, you can uh, do so easily. We're everywhere on the internet. You can reach us, first of all, with the email. You can do so by emailing darknessdwells74 at gmail.com. 
You can get a hold of us on Facebook. We have our own private accounts. Plus, we also have a Darkness Dwells fan page that you can like and a group where you can participate and create your own conversations. We're also on the internet with a website, and that is wheredarknessdwells.com. And we're on the Twitter. <laughs> our Twitter. We do the tweeting. We do the Twitter. And uh, our Twitter handle is at darkdweller74. I know, I know, I'm working on it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not fired. I'm never gonna. You ever try to pull that for real, and I will do nothing about it. (laughs) (laughs) I will go in the corner and I will cry. I am, I am going to watch Bruiser and come up with some ideas for the next time you fire me. (laughs) Ah, you you'll never be fired, Michael, unless you do something terrible. Oh, which is in which is completely plausible that I might. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, we. Uh, you know, I was talking with Michael over uh, uh, the Facebook uh, Messenger there. We have a, a lot of guests lined up and some pretty awesome yeah. shows uh, coming your way. So stay, stay, uh, keep listening, folks. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure what's coming up next exactly, but I know we do have some really big shows in, in store for you. We do. We really do. And I'm going to try to put some new blog stuff on very soon. Excellent. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you again shortly. Stay dark, my friends. Stay dark, indeed. indeed.